You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network. Your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin, and my name is JJ Leahy. Gil's a writer for thesportsdaily.com and Cheesehead TV. And in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because we're all here for one thing, and that's love for Green Bay football. Guiding you through the offseason from free agency to the draft and all the way to OTAs, we got you covered. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, hit us up on Twitter at JJ Leahy or at Gil Packers, or you can send us an email at asknohuddle at gmail.com. We got a fun little icebreaker question. If you were stranded on a desert island with one Packer, one Viking, one lion, and one bear, <laughs> who do you want to stay with? So I, let's, let's start with the lion. Which lion would you want to be stranded with? can pick from anyone on the current roster or coaching staff, but you can't go back and get, uh, I don't know, Rodney Pete. <laughs> right, right. Okay. You know what? Uh, uh, my lion of choice, I'm going with Adrian Peterson. Uh, mm. I, I, you know, first of all, I think we could have a lot of fun talking and trash talking, quite honestly. Uh, <laughs> guys killed the Packers over the years, played them so many times, talented running back. Uh, and if I'm stuck on a desert island, I think his skill set would come in handy. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, that would be my choice. Go with all day, Adrian Peterson. For me, I don't know what's going to be on this island. I mean, are there snakes? Are there lions? Cannibals? Who knows? So I want to feel safe. So I'm bringing somebody who, no matter how many times you knock him down, he's going to get back up. I'm going to take the guy who's going to bite the kneecaps off of those cannibals. I want brand new head coach Dan Campbell. If you haven't seen, <laughs> this guy has a very impressive physical frame to rival any of the players. Big guy, former player himself. And uh, this is a guy who, you know, if we need some leadership, come up with the plan. I think we're I think we got it covered with uh, Mr. Campbell. I like the choice. Go ahead and give me your Viking. My Viking is... Okay, and and I'm kind of you know cheating on this one. I go with <laughs> I, I'm going with Chad Beebe. Uh, his dad oh. played for the Packers. I've interviewed his dad, and uh, it'd be fun just to talk to him about you know his career and then his dad's career and uh, with Buffalo and with Green Bay. And uh, you know if I'm going to spend time with someone, uh, I think he'd be my choice. Which Viking? And man, the list was really short. Which Viking? <laughs> Could I spend time with on the island? It really had to come down to either Kirk Cousins or Adam Thielen. And I did some thinking back. Kirk Cousins likes to post a lot of pictures on social media of himself grilling. And I've seen what he cooks. And I don't want any of it. So I'm going with Adam Thielen. The guy that all of his teammates say is the guy that they would feel the most comfortable letting him date their sister. He is just a upstanding guy with a lot of integrity. Give me Adam Thielen, a guy that, you know, we may wear different colors, but I can trust him. That sounds your bear. That sounds. <laughs> uh, I'm going with Nick Foles. Cause I want some good Super Bowl stories. That's, uh, ah. that, that's where I'm going with the bears. And I, I couldn't 
have Trubisky on the island with me. That would. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I I thought about Nick Foles for the reason that, you know, he's just so lucky all the time. I Mm -hmm. thought it would be really beneficial to have his luck on our side. I'm going with, believe it or not, Jimmy Graham. Because (laughs) Jimmy Graham is an avid pilot. And I think if we're going to ever get off this island, Jimmy is a guy that we could look to for some guidance in building some sort of a flying machine, and then he could fly us home. And he's a smart guy, and he brings a lot of leadership. He, in my in my mind, is our escape plan. Fair enough. Uh, could you hold your tongue, though, not talking to him about his two terrible years in Green Bay? I think I would just ask him to give some of that money back, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good starter. (laughs) All right. Lastly, here's the roster that was hard to pick from because you kind of want almost everybody. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's true. Which Packer do you want? Uh, I'm going with the coach. I want to talk to Matt LaFleur. I want to pick his brains. I want to understand his system better. He's got the leadership qualities that you want. He's organized. And I think he would be good at helping us get off the island. And if we couldn't, I could talk football with him all day. So my two that I kept thinking about were, first, Rashawn Gary, because he is the hardest worker on the team. Mm -hmm. The guy never takes a day off. And I feel like that would be really helpful to have around the camp as we need to build some shelter. Plus, he's just this physical freak. My my other option that I kept considering, though, was Devontae Adams. Just the nicest guy. Super interesting. I think I would have a lot of fun talking to him. I feel like he's just, you know, he's the guy that you can lean on no matter what. So between the two of them, I mean, come on. How could you not feel safer having Rashawn Gary there to keep you safe from all the, you know, wild animals, the lions and bears and, and I mean, cannibals. <laughs> all right. Good. Good choice. Good choice. All righty, well, we got some fun stuff to get into. One of the things we want to cover, because free agency is coming up in, man, just a few days now. We want to take a look at free agents that we think the Packers should be interested in, have at the top of their list. We've had some fun talking about this, you know, just messaging back and forth about different guys. I'm going to start here by just throwing out that if I could just bring, get one free agent out there, my top priority would probably be, be to retain Corey Lindsley. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our our offensive line is just it's about to be in some dire shape. So if we're going to be spending money, I guess I would rather see if we can swing a f- couple extra million bucks to keep Corey Lindsley around. It does not sound like the Packers are interested in that, though. Corey feels pretty certain that he's not going to be playing for the Packers, which is very sad. And are, are, are the Packers going to get it figured out and, and come up with a new offensive line? Yeah, for sure. But it's going to be a step backwards from all pro number one best center in the league, Corey Lindsley. I get it. It's a it's one of the more expendable positions on the team, but it's just so I, you just can't place too much emphasis on how beneficial it is to have a guy like Corey who's so good at pass pro and run blocking. So that'd be my first guy. Who you got? Uh, my first guy would be uh, James White, the uh, running back. Ah. I, I, I think he would be. Uh, someone who they could get for not a lot of money. And if Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are not back, 
he his skill set as a really good receiver out of the backfield would complement AJ Dillon's power running very well at that position. The only reservation I have is you you get those two as your top two running backs. Teams are going to know whether you're going to most likely run or pass based on who's in the game at that time. But I I, I just think you need that receiving running back to replace Jones uh, and Williams if they depart. And I think he would be an inexpensive but quality receiving third down kind of back to fill that hole. I like that. Uh, I think Jarrell Casey is a guy I kind of have my eyes on. Uh, Casey came to Denver at the end of, what, 2019, I believe, and uh, played under Fangio for a little over a year. You know, 2018 was peak Jarrell Casey, just had an out-of-this-world season. Since then, he's been above average. I think if if you can get Casey for something affordable, you know, he's familiar with Fangio's defense. That's something that I like. Matt LaFleur really wants to bring that defense over. I don't really like our defensive ends that we have right now. Would love to see an upgrade there. Jarrell Casey, to me, is a guy who might fly under the radar and and maybe be surprisingly affordable. Could be. Could be. And I, I think that would be an, an interesting choice. Absolutely. All right. You're next. Uh, you know, I would very much like to see a guy like Richard Sherman come in for a, a, a year or two. Uh, you know, his game was never about speed in the first place. So the fact that he's getting a little older and slowing down a little bit is not as big a concern for him as it would be for a guy who relied on speed. He has excellent leadership qualities and, you know, playoff and Super Bowl experience. And I would love to see Jair Alexander and Richard Sherman and let an opposing quarterback pick his poison. We've talked about you know, Joe Barry, he plays a lot of zone with the exception of the top corner who covers their the opposing team's best receiver man to man. Jair will do the man to man thing. And to have uh, Richard Sherman on the other side, I think, would just be a great short term solution for the Packers. And I don't think he would cost them that much money if they can't get Richard Sherman. Here's a couple other cornerbacks who are available that we should maybe think about. So the you know the the biggest name would be AJ Boye. Issue with him is he might be one of the more pricey guys. He's mm-hmm. thirty years old, which is uh, you know about the middle of where all these guys who are going to be hitting the free agency are. Boye might price himself out of the Packers range, but if he's affordable, I think he's probably the best option they could get. Um, Jason McCourty. Uh, as a free agent, uh, I don't think the Patriots are bringing him back, but maybe they will. Uh, Xavier Rhodes is a guy that I hear mentioned a lot to the Packers, and I think maybe the connection there has something to do with Jerry Gray being his old DB coach, and now he's with the Packers. I'm just, you know, Rhodes had a really good season with the Colts, and that's why everybody's excited about him. But he just—he was not good with the Vikings. The Vikings were really happy to move on from him. Yeah, fans were. I don't know that I am at all excited about trying to reunite Rhodes with Jerry Gray because it just didn't work last time. So he's—you know—he's an option. I, I'm not really thrilled about it. Uh, Troy Hill. That's where I was going next. Here's the big issue with Troy Hill. He's 
probably the best corner out of everybody we've talked about here. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit debatable about, you know, between him and, and Sherm, just because Sherm is getting up in age. Obviously, he's not as good as peak Sherm, but right. Troy Hill might be the guy who attracts all the really big offers out mm-hmm. there. So, I, I don't know. It's, it's something to look at. Uh, which, well, uh, you know, Trufant. Desmond Trufant just got released by the Lions today. Yeah, yeah. See, the, the other thing about Hill, though, he played with Barry last year. And yes, th- that, yes, he did. That connection may be enough to encourage him to say, hey, I want to I, I know Joe Barry. I like his defense. I know what's expected of me in this defense. And, you know, it might make sense in that way to reunite Troy Hill and Joe Barry. I got one last cornerback name for you, and the fans are going to love it for sure. Here's the, the big question, though, is, I mean, can he play? Do the Packers want him? Because so far they have not shown any indication that they do. But uh, Tremont Williams is going to be a free agent again. So Yeah, uh, the only question about that is what role. He's, he's not going to be your number two. He might be your number three at this point in his career. But I think that doesn't really solve the need for a starter opposite Jair Alexander. And, of course, you know, with this shift to more of a zone defense, cornerback might not be as important as it was under Pettin. You know, under Pettin, we really needed to have basically two number one cornerbacks. Um, Barry's scheme might be a little bit more forgiving to, say, a guy like uh, uh, Josh Jackson. Not, I'm not saying that you want to make him your plan, but let's say that you run into the season sort of expecting it to be a bit of a revolving door there with maybe Tremont and Josh Jackson. It's you're maybe not in an impossible situation there. Whereas you clearly would have been under Petten just because, you know, Petten had such a tendency to leave those, those corners kind of on an Island out there. Yeah. I think Josh Jackson will benefit from the change in, in defensive coordinators, but he still has to prove to me he's good enough to start in the NFL. I'm willing to give him that chance in training camp and in the preseason. But if I'm the general manager of this team, I am not comfortable penciling him in as CB two heading into this into training camp. All right, let's pivot a little bit and talk about a guy who is already on our roster. We're going to talk about Preston Smith because long assumed Preston Smith was going to get cut this offseason. I mean, that was like, we kind of wrote that prediction down in the ink. <laughs> yeah. Preston Smith getting cut. Packers still need to free up $11 million. Preston would free up eight if we cut him right now. If we bring him back, he's going to cost $16 million. Okay, we were kind of all on the same page with that until Brian Gutekunst earlier this week was kind of asked about him, and his answer was basically, um, well, Preston's under contract, so yeah, he's going to be back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, it surprised me. So, all right. Here, we're, we're going to dive right into this. Gil, you can go ahead and take the first swing at this. Should the Packers bring him back, or have we been looking at this wrong the whole time? I would like them to bring him back. The old expression is you can't have too many edge rushers. Uh, right now, they're three deep at that position as far as guys who they can count on on a regular basis, and that is Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and Rashawn Gary. They may add someone else in the draft. Uh, one of the younger guys may take a big step forward and become a, a better part of the rotation. But 
would I object to them restructuring Preston Smith? No. Reducing his cap hit? No. But I would like to see him in Green Bay. He's really, if you look back at his career, in odd-numbered years, he's excelled. He has struggled in even-numbered years. We're coming up on a year that he should be having a better season in, an odd-numbered year. I would like to keep him if we can. The question is, uh, you know, what's the cost? And $16 million is a little thick for my blood. So I would like to keep him, but I would like to find a way to uh, reduce that cap hit a little bit. Well, looking at his contract, you don't have a ton of wiggle room here. Um, he has a $4 million signing bonus this year and next year. Uh, ne- next year, he has a f- just a $500,000 roster bonus. Uh, this year, his roster bonus is four and a half. So, I, I mean, I don't even know if there's time yet right now to convert, you know, 2021's roster bonus into a signing bonus. You could kind of at least cut two and a quarter million dollars off there and shove it into next year. That's maybe possible. I'm not sure what the cutoff for that is. Right. You know, I'm a guy who really likes Preston Smith. I do like a lot of what he brings. It's the 16 million that I just can't come to terms with, and and I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even be trying to make the case that we should keep him if we had a ton of cap space. But the fact that we need to free up so much, even just to get under the cap, let alone before we can start signing free agents, um, value per dollar that you're spending on Preston just isn't worth it. I I don't know. I, I I wouldn't bring him back. Maybe you can get him to take a pay cut. Maybe, but I don't know that Preston would be willing to do that because. He might be able to get pretty comparable to what he's getting paid right now if he went out into free agency. I don't know if he would, because the whole league, because the cap went down because of the pandemic, the whole league is kind of hurting for cap space. And the players that are going to get squeezed first are, are that middle class, not the superstars, not the guys who play for peanuts relatively, uh, but guys like Preston Smith, who are starters, who had maybe an off year who under normal circumstances, yeah, one or two teams might be willing to take a chance on him and give him $16 million a year to to be an edge rusher. But with the cap squeeze league-wide, I don't know if he'll get a lot more money uh, if he hits free agency. He might, but he might not, and that's a gamble that I don't know if he's willing to take. Yeah, right now there's only about seven teams that I would consider to have like a lot of cap space to play with. I, I'm a hard no. We We got to move on from Preston. All right. Well, I would like to find a way to keep him. But, uh, you know, again, the money is the issue. We both agree on that much. It just becomes a question of, uh, you know, whether they can find a way to manipulate the cap. And, and you know, it, it sounded like like Brian Gutekunst wants to keep him. The question is whether they could afford to do it or not. Yep. And you're you're clearly on the on the side of uh, it's worth doing that. So fans head on over to Twitter. We are going to post a poll here where you can vote on who has the better argument. Do you want to keep Preston Smith or cut him? So head on over to twitter.com slash JJ Leahy or slash Gil Packers. We're going to post the poll at the top of our profile like we do every week. We want you to weigh in. And uh, I do have to report that once again, Gil won. It's just not fair. I, I can't. You know, this one was at least close. It started out where I had like 10% of the vote when I said that uh, tackle was the most important hole on the roster this offseason. 
But ultimately, your answer of cornerback did win with 63.5%. So I, I, I'm getting closer. But this week, I, I feel it. I just I think that my argument against Preston Smith is is airtight. And so well, the fans are going to honor that, I'm sure. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right. It's time for us to continue our Packers in Review series. So we're going to look back at the Green Bay Packers schedule. And uh, go over, we're going to break down these games where did we leave off last week? It was the Colts. Right, which so, is Chicago at Green Bay is where we're at. Yeah. Now, this was – I think this was one of the games, you know, if, if you compare the situations of the season, I think this was one of the games that left me feeling the best. There were other games where the Packers looked better and it was a more impressive win. But just considering that we had come off this stretch where we went three and three over six weeks and we're facing the Bears who are, uh, you know, they they had had such a great start to the season and now they were in this really ugly losing stretch to wallop them 41 to 25 in which was we had two interceptions, right? On, uh, you know, Dar- Darnell had two interceptions on Trubisky. Yeah. This was a glorious game. I, th- this goes down in my top 10 favorite Packer Bear games. This one was fun. Uh, no question about it. And the beautiful thing about it, in my mind, was that this game was not as close as the final score. We were up 41 no. to 10 <laughs> at the end of three quarters. And then, you know, the Bears got 15 unanswered fourth quarter points and and you know people all will say all they want about the NFC championship game and Mike Pettin's uh failure right before the half but the way that teams you know we we would get a lead and then go into that conservative zone soft zone defense and you know again a 41-10 game becomes 41-25 uh I think that was part of the reason Pettin's not back also because it, it, it was the same thing over and over and over again uh, but this this game, look, you talked about the two interceptions. You also have the Preston Smith fumble return for a touchdown, uh, a 39-yard a, a touchdown pass to Robert Tunyon. Uh, Big Dog had a, a touchdown pass. This was a, a game where it just seemed the offense did what it needed to do. The defense came up with big plays. And this is like the game where if we weren't feeling good about the way the team was playing over the previous six weeks – Suddenly, everything felt better after this game. Yeah, this was badly needed. The, the The Packers fan base needed a game like this to start believing in the team again. Aaron Rodgers put on a masterful display. Four touchdowns, over 200 yards passing, uh, passer rating of 132. I mean, he looked perfect. It was, and, and, and the interesting thing is, uh, you know, he, he also added 10 yards rushing on the ground too. So, you know, he, he never gave the bears a moment where they felt like they could get back in the game. Yeah. And look, both running backs, Aaron Jones, 90 yards, Jamal Williams, 73 yards and a touchdown. This was just a fun game to watch in the offense and the defense. Everyone did their job. Uh, until it was 41-10, and then we sort of, you know, took our foot off the gas. But 
and and look, anytime you score 41 points and win, it's great. Anytime you beat the Bears, it's even better. <laughs> and, and and this was in a, a big way Darnell Savage's coming out party of, you know, two interceptions on Trubisky and the second one was even more beautiful than the first. And you just you realized that he was going to be special this season. And he was. And I I think that this Bears game was probably when we started making the Nick Collins comparisons and really started to ask the question like, okay, you know, we we uh you know have been missing badly. I you know, that <laughs> we we missed out on Nick Collins. Do we get a second chance here? Is this redemption with this Darnell Savage pick? Yeah, and, and you know, this is also when Petton made some adjustments as to how the two safeties were playing. And mm-hmm. Savage, as you mentioned, picked up his game. Adrian Amos, all of a sudden, with a more defined role, was playing better. And that really made a big difference in how the secondary as a whole uh, was starting to play. So I, I was, you know, this this was a turning point for the defense and really started to set up what became a six-game winning streak to finish up the season. Well, the second stepping stone on that on that uh, winning streak was, of course, the Eagles the following week. Very different looking game. The Eagles, of course, had a really good defense, a terrible offense. And so you just had to, you know, it's interesting because that usually describes the Bears. Right. But it didn't describe the Bears the previous week. When we were playing the Bears, it's interesting to note. So the Bears put up 25 points against us in that game, which doesn't sound like very much. Um, or I'm, I'm sorry, which sounds like a lot of points to, to let the Bears get until you consider what they were doing at that point in time. The Bears went on. Let me pull this up here. I had it, and then I accidentally closed it as I was trying to switch to it. The Bears down that stretch. So they put up 25 points against us, 30 points the next week, 36, 33, and then 41 points, and the only other time f- uh, to the rest of the season that they didn't get to at least 30 points was when they played the Packers the next time and only put up 16. The Bears' offense turned a corner, and it wasn't super noticeable that week because that was the first week that their offense started really working because um, Nagy gave up play calling uh, to his offensive coordinator whose name escapes me, and the offense started clicking a lot better. They were starting to run under center a lot more with uh, David Montgomery. It was working beautifully. And the Packers' defense, that week, we watched them give up 25 points, and we thought, "Eh, you know, there's that lackluster defense. And what nobody saw coming was that that was the best defensive performance that anybody was going to put uh, up against the Bears for the rest of the season that, okay, it doesn't look great because we just assume the Bears are still bad on, on offense, and that's not the case. Yeah, no, it wasn't the case. Uh, we held them in check for three quarters, again, until we had the big lead. But, yeah, the performance looks a lot more impressive. And then you go into the uh, the following game against the Eagles. You mentioned they have a good defense and a mediocre offense. Well, the problem they had on offense all year was their offensive line, and the Packers certainly took advantage of it, racking up seven sacks 
in this game against Philadelphia. Brutal. And they, you know, changed quarterbacks midway through this game, uh, turning to Jalen Hurts after Carson Wentz was ineffective. Well, guess what? Jalen Hurts wasn't all that much better. Uh, but at least he gave them a little bit of a spark. But for the for the Packers, seven sacks, they were all over the Philadelphia quarterbacks in this game. Yet another interception for uh, for uh, Darnell Savage. And just uh, overall, the defense did a, a, a very good job. And Rodgers, three touchdown passes, 295 yards. Aaron Jones a 77-yard touchdown pass to clinch the uh, a run, rather, to clinch the win, 130 yards total. Uh, it wasn't pretty, necessarily. They struggled a little bit early on uh, offensively, but eventually Green Bay got into gear and did what they had to do. Uh, special teams. Oh, special yep. teams. You know, I've been the, waiting. <laughs> yeah, you got to pounce on that Jalen Rager 73-yard uh, punt return that got – Philadelphia back into this game late, but Aaron Jones closed the door uh, with that 77-yard rush. But oh, special teams, you know the. Uh, look, we, look, we we got our wish. We got Sean Menenga fired. That's that's what we were asking for. In this Eagles game, the really frustrating thing about Rager's return was that the Eagles were scheming that up all night. They played Sean Menenga like a fiddle. They did stuff throughout the game as they were constantly uh, trying to edge Menenga closer and closer to being in that right position. They were setting him up to fail. They were uh, doubling his, um, his uh, wow, it's escaping me, his gunners. And he did not adjust. No. He insists on going max protect on his punter, even though you know, the numbers advantage isn't there. And wouldn't you know it, if the opposing team is trying to trying to out scheme you and you don't adjust, they're gonna out scheme you. And they And did. so looking at this, thirty to sixteen is what the box score said. And that's when you factor in special teams. But if you just look at the offense and the defense, thirty to nine is the actual score. To me, looking at this, this is this was something that get made me really concerned. I really thought that we might lose a playoff game due to special teams. And thankfully we didn't. Um, that's the one thing that, that you can say of Menenga is that in the playoffs, his defense, his special teams, it, it did all right. It wasn't great against the Rams. It was but, good enough. Uh, it, was, it was good enough. It was good yes. enough. And, and that's all you can ask of of the special teams. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, again, in this Eagles game, Devontae Adams, 10 catches, 121 yards, and two touchdowns. He was almost unstoppable at times during this game and, and really all season, if you think about it. Uh, if I can just bring this up, a little bit of breaking news here. The NFL mm-hmm. looking to release their schedule sometime between May 10th and May 14th this year, and it will be a 17-game schedule for 2020. Well, there you go. So, and we'll be playing the Chiefs in that in that, in extra that uh, game. added game. Yeah. But so. what we don't know, so you know, we keep calling it the 17th game because we previously had 16 games, but, we, but I think we don't know whether that's going to happen in Week 17. No. I think that this additional game could happen anywhere in the schedule. I don't think it'll be week 17 because the NFL likes either. to play within the division 
uh, in the final right. week. Everybody plays a division rival, but it is the the added game. And you know, the one thing I the it makes for a very you know sexy matchup, so to speak. Very intriguing. <laughs> Big, you know, you'll you'll have hopefully Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, and you know Patrick Mahomes. But at the end of the day, what it also does is the it gives a disadvantage to successful teams because the Packers will be playing another first place team from last year, whereas yes. their division rivals will be playing easier teams. Uh, theoretically, you know, it's always different to a point year to year, but uh, you know, Green Bay playing Kansas City while uh, you know, San Diego gets to, you know, be the opponent for Detroit, let's say. Uh, San Diego doesn't even have a team, Gil. Uh, Los Angeles. What year are you living me. in? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's been a while. But yes, yes thank you. for. Uh, but the L.A. Chargers are, you know, an easier opponent. And, you know, one of the other three teams in the division will face them. And the Broncos, uh, I think, will play the Lions, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it means a tougher challenge for the Packers going forward. But, uh, well, hey, you got to beat, pair- beat the teams on your schedule. Parity has always been the name of the game with the NFL. It's a better product overall for them if if there's uh, more parity across the league. But also think about this, you know, 17 games, that's a little bit of extra revenue. Mm-hmm. It's not going to hurt the cap situation, I'll tell you that. I'm not I don't know how much more it'll add, but you know, maybe maybe we're talking an additional 5 million bucks per team. I would like that to be the case. I don't, that might be a little bit optimistic. Well, no, it, look, at the end of the day, it means more ticket revenue and more importantly for the TV deals and the media deals, more product for them to advertise, more commercials for them to sell and more money for the overall package. So, yeah, in the long run, this is definitely a positive. And by the way, the trade here is we'll have one less uh, preseason game. So to the other two people out there who like to watch the preseason games with me. Uh, unfortunately those games are just going to matter now and we're going to have real starters out there. So that now th- there, there is actually, that is going to hurt, um, the, the bottom roster sort of guys, the, the guys who are hoping to have one last opportunity to make that 53 rookies who need a little bit of extra time out there. This is going to hurt them a little bit. And, uh, Gutekunst did talk about that, uh, in his press conference. Also, he mentioned that this year, was really eye-opening for him to learn just how important the preseason games are and how much more difficult it makes scouting for him. So, uh, yep, you know what? There's pros and cons to everything, and and hopefully what we won't see is an increase in injuries, right? Uh, especially uh, toward the end of the year. So, alrighty. That does it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions and also to vote in our weekly poll. Or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com if you have a question. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not bad.